You're going to win or you're going to lose. And it's all going to come down to one thing, marketing. We are on the edge of an apocalypse in the business world. And the ones who are going to survive are the marketers. We're going to tell you all about how marketing is eating the world on today's show. Before we get into the show, I want to tell you about HubSpot for Startups. If you are an early stage startup and you're trying to grow, you have to check out our HubSpot for Startups program. You can get up to 90% off your first year of your HubSpot subscription. Plus, you will get access to incredible education and events. With HubSpot, you can run your entire startup from marketing sales and customer success all on HubSpot. You can increase your leads, boost revenue, and improve your customer experience. HubSpot for Startups help you do it all. Plus, you will get 24-7 customer support and integrations with more than 1,500 of today's most popular apps. HubSpot is trusted by some of the most successful startups and more than 200,000 companies around the world. To see if you're eligible to join the HubSpot for Startups program and take your growth to the next level, visit HubSpot.com startups. I'm your co-host, Kip Bodner, CMO at HubSpot. I'm joined by my co-host, Kieran Flanagan, who's the CMO over at Zapier. This is Marketing Against the Green, your show for marketing-minded people. Let's get into today's episode. Kieran, we have a saucy, saucy show for everybody today. You and I, we've been in the Google Docs. We've been in the WhatsApps. We're going back and forth. We came to the realization that marketing's eating the world. And we've got a four-point argument that we're going to make for everybody. So you got to stick around because we are making a very thoughtful, very detailed argument as to why marketing is going to eat the world. And this phrase comes from a variation of a famous Mark Andreessen quote, where he famously said at the start of the internet, software is going to eat the world and software is going to be the way that the world works and the way that we do business. He was right. We're going to be right about this one, Karen. You and I have been going back and forth about this. Why now? Why are we on this precipice of like, oh my God, yeah, we like marketing, but it's going to be go from a really important thing to like the critical thing. The reason now is that software has become commoditized. It's becoming much easier for people to create software. If you look at the, the data, marketers, the number of marketers has grown around 50 to 75% in the past decade. So there's a lot more competition, a lot more marketers out there. Hi, you all. Please listen to the show. This is the show for you to listen to. Hit that subscribe button. And actually, the number of marketing channels has decreased. And actually, marketing channels have actively trying to get you to not promote things, take you away from platforms like X, all of these other platforms. And so you have that. That's what one shift, right? Increased competition in just marketing in general. You have software being commoditized. Why? Because if you think about marketing pre-internet, I would call it kind of a craft art, like copywriting, like the creativity really mattered. When the internet became much more popular and when we kind of transitioned to digital, and I think this is where you and I really were able to use some of the kind of our background and skill sets, where it became a little bit more like art and science. And it really helped people who knew data were analytical and logical, but also enjoy the creativity and the storytelling. Like my background was computer science. I was a software developer. And I felt like that always gave me an edge when I came into marketing in the digital age, because I could sit at the intersection of the art and the science. I think in the future... Right. If we had offline marketing, we had digital marketing. Now we have AI marketing. And I think those three circles transition to be art, science and AI tools, because now marketers can actually build. We are going to go to an era where I can speak it. I can build it. So what matters in that era? Right. What matters when there's much more software, when we can actually speak the things we want to build into existence? It's going to be how we market those things. Right. It's going to be how we actually create community, 
audience, distribution around those things. And I think that's point one. We have some other points on why marketing continues to like eat the world and eat up a bunch of things that other disciplines are doing. But I think that's like the one first fundamental shift maybe we can spend a little bit of time on for the listeners. Yeah, so to reiterate shift number one, AI is democratizing technology access. We've talked a lot about it on this show and it's gonna become easier than ever to build software, whether it be build complex software products, to build lightweight web applications, everything in between. And because of that, there's gonna be a lot more commoditization, not just in technology, because this AI technology is gonna apply to how you build warehouses, to how you think about selling commercial real estate. All industries are gonna be impacted, right? Because it's going to bring in new efficiency and new commoditization. One of the things we know, the more commoditized goods and services become, the more important marketing is, right? right? Because you have to differentiate on brand, on message, on value messaging, more than just the core product itself, because the core product actually isn't that different from everything else, right? Right. And so that puts a lot of power into the marketer's hands. And this has been a, a shift and a trend that's been coming along for the last couple of decades. Marketing has been getting more and more powerful. Marketing used to be relegated to like the kid's table of business, right? Like we'd go and we'd sit over and we'd write our cute little copy and like that would be fine. <laughs> but what is happening now is like, oh, we've been, you know, peer to customer success, peer to sales, peer to all of these functions. What is happening is marketing is going to probably elevate beyond those functions, because they're going to take much, much more of the customer experience. Teaser, we're going to talk about that in just a second. But the thing you need to know is how we discover and build products is going to completely change. And with that change, marketing is going to become the most important function in growing a business. And Kieran, I'd also argue it already has, because in e-commerce, your whole e-commerce business is dependent on how good your marketing is, right? Right. I think you're just a store. Yeah. And what we're saying is with AI, with commoditized products and AI agents assisting buying, that more and more businesses are going to look like e-commerce transactions than they are this big, heavy, human-intensive purchase process, right? Right. And if that's the case, and that's what I believe, I think that's what you believe, then marketing is going to be more important. Yeah, you can listen to this and you can be like, surely the software matters. Surely there's going to be some differentiation in software. I would argue that like most categories are getting commoditized and software looks the same. And you can see a really good example of like where marketing plays its role in just like liquid death. Mm -hmm. One of our favorite brands, we talked a lot about this brand. We did a whole episode on it, but I think it's a really good example because they're selling water. (laughs) Like literally the biggest commodity in the world. Right. Like how much more commoditized can you be? But they've made a $700 million business. I think it's much more than that actually now out of selling water. And the only thing they differentiated on was marketing and how they marketed the product. And they were on the opposite end of the spectrum of how any other brand was like marketing that product. So I think there is like probably it's going to be a separation in terms of like the three categories of marketers I've always used as being like the lazy marketer, the copy and paste marketer, and then the original thinker. And I think liquid death are obviously an example of original thought, original thinking. And I think that there's going to be a bigger separation upon those things. But to your point, if in the future we buy software like we buy direct consumer goods and we just go to somewhere and we transact and the entire thing is automated, all software starts to look kind of the same because there's an AI layer on it as a Mm co-pilot. What really matters? The marketers. Marketing, baby. Let's go. We're playing the long game. Wait, 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 wait. 
Johnny Manziel. <laughs> I love that, Kieran. You watched the <laughs> Netflix quarterback documentary. Oh, that's my you thing, had though. all these respect for the quarterback position in American football, and your whole takeaway now is like Johnny it's Manziel. Just the Johnny baby. Manziel money. The Johnny Manziel Dude, quarterback like, documentary just totally over. Us awesome. listening to this show overshadowed everything. It's, Everyone on this show listening to this show. That's what they want to be on the winner's circle. <laughs> okay, Kieran. I have what might be one of my hottest of hot takes ever on our show. Are you ready? Are you are you buckled in? Go, are you sitting down? Are, are you? Do you have a fire extinguisher next door? Like I, it, it's, we're coming in blazing with this one. You ready? I have a lot of lights to <laughs> put out if this goes wrong. <laughs> Here we go. I've been doing a lot of reflecting and a lot of thinking, and I've been spending a lot of time on the YouTubes and and on the internet. And what I really take away is that we have a whole new generation of people who are marketers. And they're, we call them influencers, we call them creators, but all they are is marketers. They're researching an audience, figuring out stories to tell that audience, getting feedback and making those stories better. That's marketing. I'm going to tell you that you are not going to be able to be a successful marketer in the future if you're not a creator. That creators are marketers. The fact that we have this different name and definition for them is actually pretty dumb. Like, I don't know why we're doing that. All right. we're saying is they are marketers for their individual brand. That's all we're saying, right? And they're figuring out how to monetize right. that attention. They're, they're doing everything a marketer at a company would do. They're just doing it for themselves. And I want to share some interesting stats with you. The actual proof that marketing is eating the world. Look at this. We have about 50 million people who call themselves influencers. 50 million? And the estimates are 50 million call themselves influencers. This blew my mind right? There are more, there are a ton of influencers with over a million followers. If you look across just Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok, there are somewhere between 3.2 and 37.8 million, which is to me pretty crazy. But look, there are one and a half million to five million YouTube influencers in the world just on YouTube. So these are broad ranges because I think the definition of influencers is very wide and creator is very wide. But what I will tell you is like when we look at social, if we're on YouTube, if we're on Instagram, what have you, we see the like five to 10 influencers that we follow that we're interested in. We don't realize there's this huge network. Right. And these are people right. who would have went and worked office jobs, went and worked service jobs in the economy, done all these different things. And you know what they're doing instead? They're doing marketing, baby. Right. Like, this is what they are spending their time on. Marketing is literally eating our society right now. Yeah, these are these are solopreneurs who are, who are really marketing first. Maybe don't think about themselves in that way, but really just are able to market themselves, their personality, create their own personal brand, market their own products, all of that to like a certain niche audience. And in a lot of cases, it's not niche. Like, I don't know if you've heard... I was like reading about this podcaster who's become an overnight sensation, but apparently there's some other stuff hidden beneath that is like that Bubby Althoff. She oh, yeah. uh, interviewed Drake and and so Oh what what happened? Hold on, did she have uh, some sketchy stuff happening? I haven't seen no, that. No, like I don't I think no, I'm not putting it out there that there's anything sketchy. They people are just saying how like maybe she has a ton of help. Like how did she become this overnight? How did she get Drake on the third episode? I don't know. I have not followed I, this story. So I, this is a complete tangent. But I watched the BFFs podcast from Barstool because she was on it talking to Dave Portnoy about how all this happened. And I was like, how did this, you know, mom from California become the biggest podcaster in the world in like six weeks, basically? It was like an absurd amount of time. Right. And she claims, this is what she said on the podcast, is that she is 
she is just dogged and DMing people like crazy. And she gave a story that she had somebody, her very first guest on her show, she like begged for like months, got him on, and Drake follows him and is a big fan. It saw him on the show. Drake followed Bobby, and then Bobby DM'd him, and that's what happened. That's supposedly the story. Yeah, it could be. But my point with her is that the really good, like thing that influencers have, she's an example of someone who has like mass appeal, but they have a stick, right? They're not afraid to have like a certain stick. And her one is apparently to have like really awkward interviews. They have differentiation. Right. They have differentiation and they're not in the middle. So if you think of, you can be at opposite end of the spectrum, but if you're in the middle, you're pretty vanilla to everyone. And I think influencers and creators and where they're actually disrupting brands is they can actually be at the opposite end of the spectrum because they don't have to worry about being a public company. They don't have to worry about, you know, getting bad press. They don't have to worry about any of these things. And so they can do things that are much more differentiated, much more opinionated, much more entertaining, much more humorous, and actually appeal much more to like a certain demographic and a certain audience. And all of these kind of platforms are much more tailored towards that than they are towards being a brand. And I think that the fact that marketers have to be creators is intertwined with creators are going to disrupt traditional brands and already are disrupting traditional brands and also VC companies. I, I have another piping hot take on this before we move on, which is, yes, those creators don't work for big brands, so they don't have the downside risk of messing up what's going on at that company or that brand, right? I think that's a part of it and a big part of it, but it's not all of it. I think they have one distinct advantage. They're alone. I think too often people let other people squash their creativity. It's like, oh, I got this great idea. And then you go talk to five people about it and they're like, nah, man, that sucks. Like, don't do that. Or have you thought about all the bad things that are going to happen from that? And like, oh yeah, you're right. All those bad things could happen versus like, oh, you know what? I think this is cool. You know, I got some time today. I'm just going to bang this idea out and I'm going to go do it and I'm going to see what the world thinks. People stop you from shipping stuff. I think the best progress is made alone or in very, very small groups. I agree. When something goes through too many uh, cycles, it gets watered down. I was actually listening to a really great debate by, and I will butcher their names, George Holtz, who's the guy from Telsa, building self-driving cars. And actually, I don't know if you saw it, like it was really cool. During Twitter, when Elon first took over, he went and interned there. Like this dude does not need to intern at Twitter, but just he wanted to write code and figure that very, yeah. very smart AI guy. And then Eliza Yudoski, the guy who is the mm-hmm. AI doomer, but also like very intelligent person. So really good debate about like AI is going to murder us all or AI is not. But one of the things they had in there was like actually related to this, which is individuals are for the most part better than the sum of all people. And one of the examples they give was there was a famous chess match for Gary Kasparov. Kasparov, right? When he took on like hundreds and hundreds of people who all kind of collaborated against him in a game of chess and he like wiped the floor with them. As an example of like, when you can be alone and ship your own ideas and they're not watered down, you're going to be more successful than like in a large setting where people can actually water down your ideas and go through all of these kind of review processes. And I don't have that there and don't have this will upset this person. (laughs) It's like, that's how you get to the point. I don't like that font. I don't like that (laughs) font. No one has ever sat and looked. Nobody's ever been like, you know what I don't like about that? Ah, oh, the font. I'm not buying that product. The font's terrible. I mean, like, literally no f***ing person in the entire f***ing world has looked at something. It's like, you know what? I really think this product has, like, all of these things that I want. 
But boy, the color looks kind of strange on the top banner and the font is like not the font I would normally use. That like, Pantone is pretty crappy. I'm not buying it. <laughs> right. I'm not saying the great design and those Ideas. things are important, but I think we overthink them to like dramatic levels of yeah, we do like them. irrationality. Right, right. We'll be right back. But let me tell you about a podcast from our network. Truth. Lies and Workplace Culture is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, your audio destination for business professionals. Join husband and wife team, Al and Leanne Elliott, as they dispel myths, impart wisdom, and answer all your questions about finding, keeping, and motivating great people. Their audience loves the show's unique blend of theory and practice, which helps business owners and leaders simplify consumer psychology. If you enjoy learning what makes people tick, then this is the show for you. Recently, they did an amazing episode on what makes your team say yes, exploring the psychology of influence. Phil Agnew shares his rich experience in behavioral science and delves into the intricate psychology of influence. They explore the fine line between influence and manipulation, uncovering how subtle cues and messaging impact team decision-making and motivation. Whether you're a leader, marketer, or anyone interested in the art of intelligence, this episode is hacked with strategies and psychological principles to understand and harness the power of yes in teams and organizations. Listen to Truth, Lies, and Workplace Culture wherever you get your podcasts. Look, I think the point is creators will disrupt brands. All marketers are creators. Creators are marketers first. This is another example of marketing each world because everybody in that world is marketer. Every single creator, the Paul brothers, all of these creators, the thing that they excel at are, is marketing, right? They're mm-hmm. not good boxers. Dude, that dude is a good wrestler. Actually, I will give him that. Jumps around Jake like a Paul's good, person. yeah. But they're also incredible wrestlers. Yeah, Jake Paul, but Logan Paul, have you seen that dude wrestle? Yeah, Logan Paul is a good wrestler. No, no, he's legit. They're both legit. All right, they are talented, but they're marketing first. They are marketing-minded yeah, oh, people. Of course, of course. The third one I had here, so we had two. The AI is the platform shift. Software gets much more easier to create, gets commoditized. Marketing matters. Liquid Death was the example. Marketers are creators, creators disrupt brand, all creators are marketing first. The other one that I think a lot about is like just marketing eats up way more of the customer journey, right? Yes. So marketers, you made this point, you and I were talking about this, like who are the automators in most companies? It is the marketer, the marketeers, right? They have learned how to use automation to automate a bunch of the customer experience. That entire customer experience from front to like back is completely automated in an AI world, right? The marketer doesn't need to stop at like, oh, I hand over the lead to sales. They can automate the sales outreach already kind of do in most companies. If software gets much easier to buy and you don't have to buy through human and AI enables much better buyer enablement so people can just buy software, as you said, like as if they can transact in an e-com store. Well, marketer goes all the way up now to transaction, but that doesn't mean they need to stop there because now a lot of the support function can be automated, right? Like you can actually start to automate a lot of the interactions post-purchase. And again, marketers are already the automators. Marketers start to eat up much more of the customer journey. Yeah, And I think that that is going to be super interesting in terms of this narrative. Yeah. I think this is probably the biggest argument for marketing eating the world, right? Is that with all of the changes in technology, social media, creators, everything, what is happening is that marketers are the experts of one to many 
interactions. Like that is essentially at its core. Marketers are great storyteller. They're great at building automation for one-to-many interactions. Historically, that's been things like email marketing, content marketing. But now with AI, it's about creating like these very personal experiences at a pretty mass scale. And yes, you want to apply those to people visiting your website, looking for products and trying to buy products. But you start expanding that and you're like, oh, well, I can do the same thing for the early part of the sales process. So salespeople can just focus more on selling these enterprise products than they do this initial qualification kind of initial Q&A. Oh, I can do the same thing on the customer support, customer success side of things and actually automate a lot of the common problems that happen there. And what you soon have is like marketing is owning all of the one-to-many work. Like the true definition of marketing right. changes. And it's like, oh, we have this team that owns all of this one-to-many work. And then we have these other teams that own these specialized human oh, work processes. That's right. That's the point. I love that point. That is what's happening right now, what is going to happen. That's what's going to happen. That is what's going to happen. This is actually the when we open the show, you open the show with the business apocalypse. It really is the is what Scott Belsky, which is one of my favorite articles this year, is the collapse of talent stack. This is the collapsing of the talent stack into like one-to-many and one-to-one experiences. And there's like one functional group that leads the one-to-many. And there's one group that leads to one-to-one. And you don't need to have the traditional lines silos between all those functions. Just like you're either like one-to-many or you're doing the one-to-one. And that is a better thing for everyone because you're not shipping your teamwork. You're actually shipping, you know, the best work for the customer. I want to just quickly do one slight tangent again. Okay. Because let's I go. keep let's go. I have this in my head. Kieran's going down. I need deep. to get it out. Or I'm going to keep laughing Kieran's about a it. Kieran's punchy. Keep... He's a little tired. Everybody. It's a completely unrelated. He's going through but it. You know, you used to wear apocalypse. I was going to like. What's first of all? You can. What's your favorite film? Not even mine. Because there's a funny thing in mind that I just need to get out of my head. Stop thinking about it. Favorite apocalypse movie of all time. It could be about any uh, of like volcanoes, earthquakes. I mean, I think unfortunately it's probably this is the end. Oh, with uh, this comedy. Yeah, it's the comedy. That is yeah, it's Rogan good. and everybody, and it's like they're all together at the end of the world. It's hilarious. That is and cool. that's what I want an apocalypse situation to be like, just people just kind of losing their mind, being funny, you know? I don't want it to be this like, boom, it's over, and we none of us know, like, know what's going on. You need to have a party, good time. Exactly. Get your, get your group on. to celebrate the end of the world. My, okay, so mine, I just want to just quickly do mine, because I kept thinking about it ever since <laughs> I started the show, because there's one funny part about it. So it's Armageddon, which is the one where they send the oil, you know, Bruce Willis send the yes, oil somehow up to... There, there, it, is, it is way easier to teach Ben Affleck, who is okay, an this oil is my... worker, to go to space <laughs> than it is to teach an astronaut how to do the skills Ben Affleck has. So my favorite thing about that movie is like, not the movie, it's where I think you got that from, which is Ben Affleck's drunk DVD commentary so you can get it on youtube you know <laughs> yes, they used to release yes. dvds and they had the commentary and you can listen to so he is drunk commentator and he goes and he's like literally saying that it's like how is it easier to teach us to like go to the moon than these smart nerds <laughs> how to drill on the thing and then he's like you don't know anything about a drill <laughs> you've only built rockets how could you know how to put this drill into the ground i'll have to bring my own men with me they know how to put the drill into the ground you nerds oh, <laughs> and i'm thinking about that commentary go get it on youtube it's like the two minutes of the funniest ben affleck's a legend okay okay so hold on no hold on hold on you went down a rabbit hole so now i get to indulge this rabbit hole for one more minute i had a whole i i, I sh- not like 20 minute thought process of like you know what 
if Kieran and I, with Marketing Against the Grain, are the Ben Affleck and Matt Damon of marketing, where we're, this is our goodwill hunting. We are making a masterpiece, baby. I was like, who's Ben and who's Matt? <laughs> this is a great question. Uh, this is a great well, question. This is a good question. I'm going to give you the Matt Damon because you have the photographic memory. No, no, so but that's the, that's the goodwill hunting I'll character. The... No, who's, who is Ben Affleck versus Matt Damon in real life? Oh, I'm going to go for Matt Damon. I'm going Matt Damon. Oh, so I'm Ben Affleck in this scenario? If you're Your watching the show the and you've watched a few shows and have a perspective on this, who is the Damon Affleck in the Kieran and Kip relationship? We'd love to know. Kieran is saying he's Damon, saying I'm Affleck. Put in the comments. I'm, I'm going along with it, but leave a comment in the YouTube. I want to know. Okay, end of tangent. That was that was a fun tangent. I hope that you all were entertained. Kieran and I surely weren't. But Kieran, back to the kind of one-to-one versus one-to-many side of all of this. When we say like a business apocalypse is coming, to be very specific and not hyperbolic about it, it's coming for those businesses who cannot transition their work and their investments from being more one-to-one to one-to-many, right? One-to-many right. slash marketing is going to eat the world and is going to become a bigger part of how every business is run. And if you cannot shift your thinking, shift how you invest, then that is going to cause major financial ramifications and high likelihood of business failure to you in that very specific scenario, right? That, that is what we are saying here. That is the transition. I think that is the transition that most organizations are going to have to go through, which is everything becomes much more consumer-led. In particular, in B2B, B2B starts to look much more like B2C. I don't think that those two things are going to be as distinguished in the future. I think you're going to transact online to get your software very similar to how like you buy products on Amazon. And in that case, you do have to be able to make that transition that a lot of your traditional one-to-one interactions Mm -hmm. go into that like one-to-many bucket. I think the one-to-many bucket, because AI allows teams to go much further in the customer journey, we are going to collapse that talent stack. And I think that's a good thing, right? Because the point we were discussing earlier is like ideas going through less kind of rigid processes where they have to get signed up at different teams and handovers and all these things. When they're collapsed into a single team, like a single team can build much more momentum, much more cohesive than all of these kind of distributed silo teams that kind of work on stuff and throw work over to each other. So I think there's like some good things happening there, but that is like the change that we see coming that the one-to-many side of business grows exponentially and starts to like eat into the one-to-one type of business. Yeah, what you're saying is, and this is a very, very important point for everybody, is that all of the points we've made today ladder up. You know, one of the points you made is like, wow, it's better and easier to do great, differentiated, creative work when you're by yourself and you can go and push it to the world. Meaning, if you manage a customer support team of 100 people, let's say, it's really hard to get those 100 people on the same page and like going in the same direction. But if you're a person and you are one person who manages a AI-led support experience with maybe some people, but a lot less than 100, it is much easier to drive a very consistent customer experience that you can iterate and improve on much faster because you can improve faster with technology than you can with training humans. Training humans at anything is important, but it just takes longer, right? And that's just going to be a competitive advantage that businesses have going forward. Agreed. Robots are more reliable. I'll give you a really good example. Oh, I cannot find good. any single bloody human to play tennis with. I can't play <laughs> a single human to play tennis with on a consistent basis. Now, is this the human's fault or is this the, the fault? Is this that because you just don't have friends? It's a two-circle Venn diagram, Kip. And it is <laughs> the intersection of those things. No friends okay. cannot find humans that play tennis 
why do you not join a club? Because I'm competitive. I will not join a club until I feel I can win all the matches in the club. And I am going to join a club. <laughs> so what did I do? I bought a tennis robot. What? I bought a little tennis robot. It holds 120 balls. It sits down on the end of the court and it's going to spit tennis balls and it can go 30 kilometers an hour to 100 kilometers an hour and it can do all these cool drills. And that robot will never, just like Terminator, because a robot will never leave him. That is what I feel <laughs> about my new tennis robot. It will never leave me. It will always play with me. And so robots are more consistent and more reliable. Until you forget to charge it. I'm going to hear a story on the show in like a week being like, oh, I didn't charge my tennis robot. I haven't played tennis in like three days. Maybe I should pay someone to come and charge my stuff. That is my <laughs> biggest pain point right now. Do like, you need a robot to charge charged. your other robot? So we're, you know, Ireland's still behind the times, but I bought this hybrid car. I know you, you guys are all electric, so we have a hybrid car. Yeah. Uh, I bought the car like two and a half months ago and have not been able to <laughs> charge it. I keep forgetting to charge it. I need to go full petrol again. See, robots are more reliable until they're not. The point you're making is when the robots charge, you can play tennis anytime you want. You don't have to go on somebody else's schedule, right? It's asynchronous. Whenever you want, you can do it. I don't it. need pesky humans, yeah. And that is the way experiences are moving for everybody who's interested in buying stuff. It's like, cool, I have time now. I want to do it now. I don't want to, it might be midnight, my time, and there's no human available to help me. I still want to do it. And our job as business leaders is to help people have those interactions with companies whenever they want to have them in however manner they want to have them. Exactly. I think we've made a very compelling argument today that marketing is eating the world. First of all, the AI transformation is gonna commoditize our ability to deliver goods and services in a way that hasn't happened maybe since the Industrial Revolution and the start of the internet. Secondly, we now have a whole generation of people who are creators, influencers, who are marketers. They are marketers first, everything else second. And that is going to make marketing a bigger, bigger part of the world. And you're not going to be able to be a marketer without all of those creator skills in the future. The third thing is, is marketing is just eating the customer experience. The customer experience is going from more one-to-one -one human interaction to more one-to-many human interaction. And marketing has the skills and people who best execute those strategies. That's our argument for why marketing is eating the world. If you agree or disagree, hit us up in the YouTube comments, hit that subscribe button. We're going to be back with you very soon on Marketing Against the Grain.